Heavenly Father, this morning, we look into your word, the perfect law of liberty. We thank you for the freedom of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the reality of your word this morning. And Lord, I thank you that you are here among us. <laughs> we are breathing rarefied air. This is not just the atmosphere of heaven alone, but Father, your glory is here as it is in heaven. Your healing is here as it is in heaven. Your will is here and it's being done just as it is in heaven. It's not just we're receiving from the presence of the Lord only, but you are here among us. Your kingdom has come here today and your will has been being done here today on the earth, just like in heaven. So we thank you that we're not just breathing up earthly air, but we are breathing in the healing presence of the living God, the delivering power of the Holy Spirit, you're here today and we give you the glory and we give you the honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, I want to turn to a couple of verses and we're going to get into the Word today. How many of you glad you came to church? Amen. Amen. I'm glad you came to church too. Welcome. I'm looking around. I don't see any visitors this morning, but it's good to see you all. Welcome to church. We've been praying and believing God for you to stay healthy and stay whole and to keep this garbage that's been going around off of you and off of your family. And uh, we got a lot of folks missing today, um, almost a half of our worship team because of the sickness, but we're continuing to pray and thanking God that he is our healer and he is our deliverer. Amen. And uh, we're going to continue this morning on the subject or the topic of grace. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1. And if you're fast, you can put a finger there and go to First Peter chapter 4. We're going to read Ephesians chapter 1 verse 6 if you're taking notes. And First Peter chapter 4 verse 10. Uh, the reason that I know that is because the Holy Spirit told me so. Other than that, I wouldn't have known. But uh, I want to read you some things about grace. And uh, we'll, we'll continue on this. Is this. Has this teaching been a blessing to you? Has it been helpful for you to see what God is and who he is. The Lord is gracious, the Bible says, and he's slow to anger. Psalms 111, verse 4. The Lord is gracious and slow to anger. He's abounding in love. I love the Psalms, don't you? They help us praise God. They help us worship him. It's just a wonderful, wonderful opportunity for us to worship the Lord. He's the giver of grace, Proverbs chapter 3 tells us. He's the God of all grace, 1 Peter chapter 5 tells us. His throne is the throne of grace, Hebrews chapter 4. Today we're going to talk about the many different facets or sides. Peter calls it, 1 Peter chapter 4, he calls it the manifold grace of God. That manifold, that word manifold began to be used in uh, the 1800s and it's talking about different folds and different chambers of a piped instrument like a flute. The manifold graces of God, the many sides and many facets of God. And for us to just look at one aspect of God or one aspect of his grace and say, I got it, we probably are missing out. And I believe even with this teaching, and trust me when I say that we're not even anywhere near the end, but I believe through this teaching we've seen uh, different sides or different facets of God and his grace. And uh, that's the whole point, Amen. The Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Grace, Hebrews chapter 10. Our message is the gospel of grace, or the word of his grace, according to Acts chapter 20. The prophets of old prophesied of the grace that should come to us, Peter tells us. This grace came by Jesus, John said in John 1, 17. Jesus was full of grace, 
And it's from his fullness that we receive one grace after another. The grace of God was upon Jesus, and gracious words came out of his mouth, according to Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 2 and Luke chapter 4. It was by grace that Jesus tasted death for every man, Hebrews says in Hebrews 2. We are told to continue in grace, abound in grace, be strong in grace, grow in grace. There's a whole lot being mentioned about grace, and we're not even halfway through the list. Amen. The multitudes, the many facets, the many sides, the manifold grace. The word of God speaks of great grace was upon them in Acts chapter 4. The abundance of grace, Romans chapter five seventeen. The exceeding grace of God, 2 Corinthians 9. The glory of his grace, the riches of his grace, the exceeding riches of his grace in Ephesians chapter 2. The dispensation of grace, the gift of grace, the grace of life, the manifold grace, 1 Peter 4.10, the true grace of God. Grace can be found, shown, poured, received, seen, and perceived, all according to Genesis, Ezra, Psalms, Romans, and so goes list of Acts. And grace saves us and empowers us to live a life pleasing to God. Amen? We're saved by grace and through grace. It is through the grace of God that we believe grace builds us up and gives us an inheritance, Acts chapter 20. Verse 32. We are justified freely by his grace. I love Romans chapter 3. Justified freely by his grace. Grace makes the promise sure to those who are of the faith, Romans chapter 4 tells us. A lot to be said, a lot to be learned, a lot to be seen about grace. Paul ministered through the grace that was given to him, Romans chapter 12, and we're all to do the same. Amen. We have gifts differing according to the grace given to us. Again, Romans 12. Grace causes us to be enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge. Grace makes us what we are and works in us and through us. It's the grace of God that makes us rich, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. God's grace is sufficient for us and causes us to reign in life, 2 Corinthians 12 and Romans chapter 5, verse 17. We are called by grace into grace. Grace enables us to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ, Ephesians 3. Our words can impart grace to the hearer. We're supposed to impart grace to the hearer. Amen? We're partakers of grace. We sing with grace in our hearts, and our words to be seasoned with grace, according to Colossians 3.16 and Colossians 4.6. Grace gives us everlasting consolation and good hope to Thessalonians 2. 16, grace teaches us to live holy lives, Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. Grace helps us in time of need. Boy, I thank God for that. How about you? We can find grace to help in time of need. Amen? Grace enables us to serve God acceptably, according to Hebrews chapter 12, and it establishes our hearts, according to Hebrews chapter 13, and grace is obtained by coming boldly before his throne in Hebrews chapter 4. Grace is multiplied unto us through the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ, 2 Peter 1, 2. We can receive grace in vain. We can set aside or treat as meaningless the grace of God. We can fall from grace. We can insult the spirit of grace. We can fall short of grace. And we can turn the grace of God into lewdness, Jude says. We have to be careful that we understand what grace is, what we've received, why we've received it, and what we're doing with it. Can someone say amen? amen.
I want to tell you a story in, in the, the Bible school that I, I've attended two Bible schools, but the one that I'm attending right now is uh, Life Christian University. And it's a good Bible school. And the, the president of this Bible school graduated from Rhema Bible College. And uh, he went back in the day when Kenneth e. Hagin was actually there teaching every day. And so that's a pretty cool situation because he was right there in person with the, the man of God at the hour and able to receive of the anointing. And I'm sure that in the classroom setting, and he talks about this a lot, uh, but in the classroom setting, Dad Hagen would just stop and prophesy over people and lay hands on them, and the anointing would go on. Man, what an awesome time to go to Bible school, right? But uh, he, this, this gentleman's name, um, well, I guess that doesn't really matter. But anyway, the, the president of the Bible school that, that I attend, he tells a story about a bunch of blind men who came up and felt an elephant. And each one of these blind men obviously couldn't see the elephant. And one man felt the tail of the elephant and he said, well, an elephant's like a rope. And then another one, he came up and he felt the leg of the elephant and he said, well, an elephant's like a tree. And he said, that's interesting because it's not like a tree, it's like a rope. And then another one came up and he touched the side of the elephant and he said, man, an elephant's like a spongy wall. And he felt the tusks of another one came up and felt the tusks of an elephant. And he said, well, it's like this hard, hard, round structure. And another felt his trunk and it's like it's a huge garden hose. And yet another came and touched the ear and said, well, it's floppy and huge and just thin. And you know what's interesting is every single one of those blind men were right. But none of those blind men had the total picture, no pun intended, the total understanding of what an elephant is. Each one of them were right. And the guy who touched his tail said that an elephant's like a rope, and he's absolutely right if you're touching the elephant's tail. And the other one says, well, I touched his side, and he's like a big spongy wall, and he's absolutely right, unless, of course, you're touching his ear. And on and on and on. Well, there's different facets and different aspects depending on your perspective and point of view of what an elephant actually is. And just like the grace of God, there are different facets and there are different functions of the grace of God. And we've seen here, as we just went through and just read a ton of these verses, which we gave you Bible verses for them. I'm not making it up. It's just studying what the Bible says about grace, but yet there's, there's keeping grace and saving grace and empowering grace. And, and, and these are all different facets. And we shouldn't really look at grace and say grace is something, but rather we should look at grace and say grace is someone. It's the nature and character of God. Grace is the nature and the character of God. And we've established this very well, I believe, but, but there are those today in the body of Christ who over here on this side, they say, oh, God doesn't care how you live. Actually, it was this side. God doesn't care how you live. You can live any way you want to because God's grace has been made available to you. So it's a party every day. Just do what you want. Say what you want. Act how you want. Just have free reign over acting like a fool because of the grace of God. It doesn't matter. And there are those over here that said as soon as you have a bad thought or as soon as you make a mistake or as soon as you sin, God is going to burn your house down, crash your plane, kill your dog, and give you cancer. But how many of us believe, and we've said this over and over and over and over again intentionally, we need to be in the middle of the road. We need to know that it matters how we live, but God poured out his wrath on Jesus. Amen? It matters what we say. 
It matters to God how we act, and it matters to God that we don't, we don't shun the grace and offend the grace and, and reject the grace and, and push away the spirit of grace, but yet we, we don't live in constant fear. And what I mean by that is fear like boo fear, not reverence. We're supposed to live in constant reverence of the Lord. Amen? But God wants us to know him and to walk with him, and God also tells us to walk pleasing before him. And God also tells us, come to me boldly. Don't, don't sit out and worship from afar. Come in near. So this is a God of grace who hates sin but loves the sinner and knows that sin in our lives will hurt us and keep us from him. And he says, it does matter how you live, but I'm not going to kill you. I want you to walk in fellowship and relationship with me, constantly admitting. That's what confessing is. Constantly admitting when we've blown it. Constantly admitting when we've messed up. And constantly saying, I repent, you need to help me. I'm going to turn from acting that way. I'm going to stop living that way. And the Spirit of God is going to help me. He's going to empower me to stop living that way and walking that way and talking that way. I'm already preaching really good. Your amen's a little quiet. Maybe you left it an hour back. Spring it forward, amen? You never want to be in church without your Amen. You know, one preacher that I don't like at all, sorry if you know who this is. Why did I have to say that? I'm going to edit this live version of this sermon. There's a preacher that I've heard, and he stands in front of his congregation, and he says, your amens are like, are like, my, uh, like Popeye eats spinach. He says, your amens are my spinach. They just make me preach stronger and preach better. And uh, if the church could really understand that we're not preaching at you, this is communication with each other. And, and it's not that I need to hear you say amen, because I know what I'm saying is truth. Your amen is your confirmation that I get that. I believe that. I receive that. Keep going. Praise the Lord. W.H. Griffith Thomas says, It is God's mercy, grace is God's mercy that pities. It is God's wisdom that plans. It is God's power that prepares. And it is God's love that provides. It's multifaceted. Amen? And, you know, we talked about the, the different um, perspectives or point of view of grace. And to someone here today, you may have been deep in sin and deep in bondage and deep just overwhelmed in, in the world system and overwhelmed in your sin and sinful nature. And so for you, you might see that the, the grace of God is simply the delivering power and rescuing power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you are one of those who have been in a lifestyle or a, 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 a situation where you were lost in the world and you were a sinner that way in deep, deep sin, or dark sin, as, as people say, then you're absolutely right. The grace of God is the delivering and rescuing power of Jesus Christ. And yet, some of us, we may have accepted the Lord Jesus at an early age, like Bob, and we walked, I'm sorry, that was not intentional, uh, like Chris, and maybe we walked with the Lord and stayed in the Word and gave ourselves over to the Spirit of God. And I know that there are many of us who gave our lives at a young age, but yet 
we just stayed and stayed and stayed in God's word and get, stayed in God's spirit. So we could say that the expression of God's grace toward us isn't the, the delivering power from a lifestyle of bondage or a lifestyle of destruction, but rather the grace of God to us is the staying and keeping power of God that preserved us and kept us. We didn't have to go through the, the hell on earth and experience the troubles and the tribulations and the trials that, that others have because they had not had that opportunity to rely on Jesus Christ, the man of Galilee, and walk in the word of God and the spirit of God. And so to those who have received Jesus at an early age, you're absolutely right. The grace of God is the keeping power. We're, you're, you're, we're both right. Amen? Yet others of us, maybe we've been called by God to fulfill a certain ministry. Maybe we've been called of God. We've all been called of God to do the ministry of reconciliation. But I'm talking about God said, you're a preacher, you're my man, or you're my woman, and i got an office that I've put on the inside of you, and I want you to be an evangelist or a pastor. I want you to be a prophet or an apostle. I want you to be a teacher. And maybe for some of us who are called of the Lord, the grace of God is just that ability, his enabling power for us to walk in the thing that he's called us to, and we would be right. We'd be just as right as the person who lived in a deep, dark, sinful condition and God delivered him and rescued him. We'd be just as right as the person who received the Lord when they were just a, just a baby and walked in the house of God with the Spirit of God and the Word of God as we would to say, God's enabling me. It's not my talent or not my ability, but it's the grace of God that's enabling me to fulfill the call of God on my life. So we would be right. Amen. And yet another person. Going through a hardship, a trial, a tribulation. My heart goes out to Christina. Her grandmother was just killed in an accident and she's gone into eternity. But for Christina and for those of us who have suffered loss or gone through adversity or hardship or trials, we could say, bless God, the grace of God was there to heal my broken heart and to keep me from losing it. And we'd be right. So we can't say that the grace of God is just simply one thing. Every one of us in that scenario, and there are other scenarios, we could all say, hey, the grace of God was this. It's a, my individual experience of the grace of God, my individual uh, description of how God broke into my life and kept me from sinning or pulled me out of sin or he gave me the power to do what he's called me to do. And again, that's the power of God and that's the, the beauty of grace. And like the blind men and the elephant, what each of us might think is completely and totally right might be totally different to the other person based on what they've experienced in their life. But that's the manifold grace of God. Amen? Yeah. One of the greatest challenges for, for a Christian in defining the grace of God is that it's really not narrow. It's not one-dimensional. Because like we just explained, some of us were lost and bound. I mean, I'm not just talking about we, we were going to go to hell because we hadn't received Jesus, but I'm talking about being professionals at sinning and professionals at living in the kingdom of darkness. And so it's not one-dimensional. We can't just say, the grace of God delivers you from drug abuse. Well, it does, but it also keeps you from drug abuse. It also enables you 
to help others get away from drug abuse. So it's not one-dimensional, it's not narrow. Uh, as a matter of fact, again, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, did you find that yet? The Bible says that it's the manifold grace of God. The manifold grace of God. And it's important for us to look at these things and realize, we'll read the whole context here and the whole verse here in just a moment, but it's in order for us to realize that as we're trying to, endeavoring to learn more of God, who he is, it's uh, each one of us have received a gift. Each one of us have received a life. Each one of us have received a talent. And so I can't say to Jamie, the grace of God isn't this. And I can't say to Kim, the grace of God is this. It's just what did God do in your life? How did his grace pull you out and help you? How did he lift you from the dark pit? How did he heal your body? How did he keep you and preserve you and cause you to stay? And so you may say today, well, does that mean that there's no definite definition? Well, of course there's a definite definition. But what I'm saying to you is the grace of God is multifaceted. They talk about diamonds, and you can look at a stone, and depending on the different cut and the different light that you see, you can see a totally different color, all coming out of the same rock. It's no different from the grace of God. You know what? I have good news for you today. If you're bound by addiction and bound by drugs and bound by alcoholism or bound by pornography or born, bound by lust, you can be set free because the grace of God is manifest to deliver you. And if you are not saved and you need to be saved, I have good news for you today. The Bible says the gospel is the good news. I have good news for you today. The saving power of the Holy Spirit is here today. The grace of God is here today. And if you are continuing to walk after the Lord as you have all your life, I have good news for you today. The grace of God is here to continue to help you and aid you walk this walk with him. And if you're called of God and have an anointing and appointing from God, I have good news for you today. The grace of God is here to empower you to do what it is that you need to do. And if you're here today and your heart is heavy and you're hurt and you're broken and you're discouraged, I have good news for you today. The grace of God is manifest to heal your broken heart and to bind up all your wounds. Praise God for the many facets of his grace. Amen. Amen. That none of us are out of his scope or out of his reach. Praise God for his faithfulness. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. The Weymouth translation, translation says that God's many-sided kindness. The many-sided kindness of God, manifold grace, the many-sided kindness of God, Weymouth. The New Century says various gifts of grace. I don't know about you, but I thank God for his grace in my life. I thank God for the the times when I came to him as a young person that he did have staying power. And I thank God that even though I frustrated his grace, that he received me again. Amen. I mean, my testimony is too long to do in 37 minutes. But I was a punk and a good guy all in the matter of just a few weeks sometimes. And when I frustrated God's grace, he was gracious. He was slow to anger and abounding in love toward me. Amen. And when I was walking right, and doing right, and I didn't reject him, then his grace was there to help me every day. I'd lean on him and say, I need your help today. Praise the Lord. 
I'm going to give you another picture of, of grace to get it. And you might say, Pastor, I get it already. Well, you're going to. After, after this, you're going to get it. I heard a, a preacher give a testimony of, of bringing in, he was a missionary. And he brought back to his home some folks from, from the bush that had never seen running water, never seen electricity, didn't understand what was going on. And so the person in the church that was designated to bring these travelers to the minister's house approached the home and they got there and they pushed this door on the outside of the house. This, excuse me, they pushed a button and they heard a ding dong and the people looked and said, what was that? And he said, well, that's a doorbell. And he said, how does that work? And the person said, well, electricity. And so the person in the house came and opened up the door and said, Hi, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here. Come on in. And he reached down to the wall and he flipped some light switches on and turned on lights. And the people just looked and said, What is that? How'd that work? And he said, Well, electricity. And so they said, It's a little warm in here, isn't it? So they went over to the wall and they flipped on a switch to turn on a fan to move some air. And they looked at it and said, What in the world is that? And they said, Oh, electricity makes that happen. And so these people who've never seen electricity and never understood electricity and never experienced electricity are saying it makes a ding-dong, it turns lights on, and it, turns, it has motion and movement. Electricity? So then they said, would you like something to drink? They said, yeah, you want a hot or cold? Well, I'd like you hot. So they go over to the stove and they turn the stove on and they put some water on and they begin to boil it and all of a sudden water is boiling and they're looking at it and they said, how in the world does that happen? And the guy says, well, it's electricity. See, we think that we've got grace figured out. Well, I'll tell you this, church. The grace of God is far more reaching than what electricity can do for us. And for some of us who have just come in from the world, we just come in from outside, and we've never experienced electricity. The grace of God can do all sorts of cool things. Can't it? Can't he just do all kinds of wonderful things? He can make it hot when it's cold, and he can make it cold when it's hot, and he can turn the light on. Amen? He can turn it up. He can get us moving. He can get us empowered and get us delivered and get us saved and keep us. He can put gracious words in our mouth that impart grace to the hearer. We need the grace of God every single day of our lives, don't we? And for us to just treat this as, like we talked about, I think it was last Sunday, for us to treat this as just an additive to salvation, no, 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 no. No, no, the grace of God is the salvation. It brings the salvation of God. The grace of God is the person of God. Amen? Thank God for the Holy Ghost. I want you to think about these two things as we get ready to close. Two things that should stand out to us. Grace and graciousness pertain to the person of God himself. We do not want to think of God's grace as an it, but we want to think of it as a him, as a person. It's very personal. It's not an impersonal thing. It's not just a, a commodity that comes with, an add-on that goes alongside of salvation.
God's grace is his nature and his character flowing from him in his presence to us. Just like the sun brings heat, God's presence brings his grace. Just like the sun brings light, God's presence brings his grace, his enabling power, his keeping and staying power. Amen? The second thing I want you to think about and remember and take away from this, and, and we'll probably continue on this again because there's a whole lot more for us to talk about, but I don't want to wear you out on one subject. I feel like you have enjoyed it, but I don't want to push the button too far, push the envelope. So God's grace is active and it's productive. He's actively working on our behalf and he's producing fruit for himself, for his own glory. Amen? active and productive. Wherever and whenever his grace is received, then there's dynamic, powerful things that are released. Deliverance and salvation and keeping and staying and imparting and enabling and empowering. Wherever his grace, wherever his grace is received. And there are tangible blessings that are imparted into the lives of people. And we can honestly, truly see lives lifted up out of the pit. We can honestly see lives transformed. Paul says in Romans chapter 12, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Changed. Transformed. We literally can see by the grace of God, people's lives raised up, lifted up, transformed. And we literally can see people's lives empowered by the working of God's grace. Amen. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 1, if you haven't already, and uh, we're going to close this down. Shelly, are you wanting to share that testimony today? Yes. Good. That's, that's a good answer. I like it when things work together. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6, and he says, To the praise of the glory of his grace by what she made us accepted. By what? By the praise or the grace? He made us accepted and the beloved by the grace. To the praise of the glory, the weightiest matter of his grace. To the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Whatever we're facing today, and I know I'm talking to a congregation of believers, but whatever it is that we're facing here today, now that we're already born again and, and I trust walking with God. We're accepted in his family. We're accepted in him. And it's because of the glory of God's grace. And we're to praise him and honor him and thank him for his grace. I want to have uh, Shelly come up and share this testimony with us this morning. Come up quickly with a microphone, Jamie, help her. And uh, praise God for... Uh, for our sister. Clap real good for the Lord and clap real good for Shelly. Go ahead and tell the whole story. Tell the whole story. All right. Whatever you want to tell. Okay. Two and a half weeks ago, I was standing in my kitchen just washing dishes. Nothing out of the ordinary. When all of a sudden I was hit with the most intense pain that I could imagine. It literally dropped me to my knees. All I could do was lay on the floor and say, help me God, help me God, help me God. It felt like my joints and my muscles were being ripped apart. I couldn't breathe, it was horrible. I laid on the floor for about three hours 
and my kids helped me up, helped me get on the couch, and I laid there for the rest of the day. The next morning, I got up, and I was moving around, I was kind of okay, I was really sore, didn't know what had happened. And uh, I started doing my housework, and I was just doing some dusting, and it happened again. And this time I had my son take me to the hospital, and uh, they injected me with morphine and they injected me with Tordal, and they injected me with something else. None of it stopped the suffering, none of it. It didn't, it didn't lessen it, it didn't change it at all. So they send me home, my kid halfway carries me out to my car because the ER can only do what the ER can do. And they said, go to your doctor tomorrow, and so I did. And of course, all the tests start. Anybody who goes to the doctor knows they test you for everything. And um, the doctor injected me with morphine again because I could barely walk. I couldn't lift my arms at all. I couldn't do anything. I was in excruciating pain. And so now time goes by. And I'm going back to the doctor and back to the doctor. And they're injecting me with morphine and Tordal. And it's still doing nothing at all. It might as well be Kool-Aid. And, um, uh, I don't recommend injecting Kool-Aid. No, <laughs> no, um, I was comparing. <laughs> um, My name is Brian and I approve of this message. <laughs> don't inject Kool-Aid. No, no. Anyway, um, then Wednesday gets here finally and the doctors, the doctors say, come on in we've got your results from all these other doctors and all these tests and I go in there and they said something that broke my heart. They said, you have fibromyalgia. I have watched my family become crippled for the past 10 years. My sister, she's trying to raise four kids and she can't pick up a cup. I've, she's crippled, my mom is crippled. And um, it broke my heart. It did because I've watched the progression, you know. And uh, so I thought, this is the start of where I'm going, you know. And so I, I texted, with a broken heart, you know, I texted Pastor Brian, and I told, I think, two other people. Wednesday morning, Wednesday morning. yes. Then Wednesday night, I came in here, and uh, it was, we, we were, uh, I was greeting, yes, and then we were in worship, and um, I came in after when it was time, and uh, then Pastor Brian uh, told everybody to come around me, put their hands on me, and a lot of people did. I didn't really look around to see how many, but there were a lot, and uh, he prayed this prayer in faith, and so did everybody who was around me. And I felt the pain go from my limbs up into what felt like a weight in my stomach. And then from there, it felt like it went out. By the time he said amen, by the time the prayer was over, I felt no pain at all, none. I was literally touched by God. And then the next morning, I was really actually afraid to move the next morning because I didn't want it to not be real. 
But I got How up. How many have ever I... been there before? <laughs> there's there's nothing going on in this testimony, but not any one of us. By the way, whoever injected her with Kool Aid on Wednesday night, thank you. <laughs> I, I got up and I started moving around and I'm like, oh, this is cool, you know. So I was like, okay, I'm going to test it. I went and did all of my housework, like spotless. My house looks awesome. And <laughs> Let's not go to boasting, no. No, 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 no. no. The, the point is that I can move. Amen. I'm healed. She hasn't had any pain. I've been talking to her. The other night, I talked to her on the phone um, driving back from Detroit, and I said, you've been touched by the healer. And then we just started praising God on the phone together and prayed. Well, the grace of God came into her life on Wednesday night in a different facet. A different facet. Still the same God, still the same character, still the same nature, but came in a different area. Where's Kayla Noel? Come up here, Kayla, share your testimony. Is this okay if we just talk about these things? Yes. I guess that's okay, right? It's okay if we share these testimonies. She's going to bite me. <laughs> Clap good for Kayla. She's going to cry. I assure you it will not be the first time that there have been tears shed on the pulpit, and nor will it be the last if I'm around, so you'll be okay. So, mine's financially, and back in December... When we were first talking about the mortgage, um, I believe it was Barclay who said, 30 people are going to give $1,000. This is not on me. And I felt God say, that's you. And I said, okie dokie. And so when the time came for me to be able to give that amount, I did. And I'm within... Two or three days after that, I got a letter in the mail from my bankruptcy saying I was done. I had been paying on it for th over three years. It garnished my paycheck a lot of money. And it's no longer, it's gone. So now I have my full paycheck for the first time in years. So she was able to honor what she felt the Spirit of God speak to her in December. There was a period of time before she was able to do it. God brought the seed to the sower and bread for food. Yes, She's actually. able to sow that seed and immediately, what was it, the next day you said? What did you Within say? Within two or three Within days. Within two or three days. Takes that long for the mail to get to the house. <laughs> the grace of thank you. Clap real good for God. Amen. Thank you. One moment. Uh, Take a microphone to her, please, Chris. You should have one there. The grace of God in a different facet. Does God want us financially prospered? Absolutely. Why? Well, so we can be a blessing to the kingdom. So we can be a blessing to the stranger. And we can be a fellow help, First John chapter 3. A fellow help, First John chapter 1, excuse me. Third John. I'll get it right. I'm from Durand. Give me a minute. Third John, but uh, could be worse. Anyway, I uh, the grace of God came, and He He prospered our sister in a financial way. She could be a help to the ministry, 
a help to the stranger, and to be a fellow help with getting the gospel out. So the grace of God came and entered into her life. Now listen, these are just two of uh, 80 people, or how many ever we have in here today, that each one of us could have a testimony. We're going to let Miss Carol share real quick, and then we're going to transition. Justin, if you want to go to your instrument, um, go ahead. Okay, when everyone, those that were at the altar, I was given a vision. And um, very shortly, um, what it was is that as their hands were in the air, when they started to come down, in their hands were handles of all things. And everybody kind of, including myself when I was sitting here, kind of looked in their hands and just kind of quizzically. And then the Lord said, when you place things at my feet and you turn them over to me, the baggage that you leave will be left without handles so you can't pick it back up. Take those handles and throw them away. So as everyone got up in the vision, they went up in the air and they literally disappeared. Praise God. So that they were no longer available to pick up what was laid at his feet. He said, I can handle this for you. You gave it to me. Don't pick it up. Praise God. How many receive that in Jesus' name? Amen. No more handles. Can't get to it. Can't pick it back up. So the word salvation, grace brings salvation, but it doesn't just apply to our spirit being regenerated. The word is sozo, S-O-Z-O, and it has to do with health, has to do with protection, has to do with salvation, has to do with deliverance, it has to do with blessing, has to do with strengthening. There are so many aspects, even of the word salvation, different facets, different sides to salvation. And what we heard here this morning, just from two different sisters, and again, we said that we could go around and around and around and hear all kinds of stuff from all kinds of different people this morning. But we're looking at the manifold grace of God at work in our life. We're looking at the manifold grace of God that, that you know, maybe somebody in here on Wednesday didn't want to be here, but we were here. And even though we didn't want I was talking to Kent about this the other day. Even if we didn't want to be here, God still showed up and God still used the body. That's the grace of God. Keeping us, carrying us, sustaining us. We're going to take communion together here in just a moment. And uh, I'm just going to have Justin play for a moment to the Lord. But I just want to say this to you. We were ministering to people um, this morning. and, And the word of the Lord came from Pastor Dana. And that was absolutely right on the money and we need to we need to press into the things of god and not sit back and allow ourselves to be comfortable being just half filled or less the bible pattern here is that we would be filled and filled again to be filled with the spirit of god and be filled again and again and again and again and again And uh, the day and age that we're living in, as the Lord was speaking through Pastor Dana, the day and age that we're living in is dark, and it's getting darker. People are really going to hell. I want to share this real quick. And this isn't me trying to scare anybody. I'm kind of looking through the audience to make sure that it's age-appropriate. I had a conversation with a registered nurse that works here in Owasso um, Thursday. Thursday. My massage therapist, I have to have some massage therapy for my body to work the way that it needs to, but that's changing in Jesus' name. 
I'd actually like to go to a massage therapist just because it was supposed to feel good. That's not what happens right now. But um, she's a registered nurse up at the hospital. And I was just testifying of how good God is and how faithful God is. And I said, you know, I'm sure that you've been around people who have passed. You're a nurse. That's what you do. And there, there are nurses here today, I'm sure that, I mean, I'm not the, the expert on this subject, but I imagine that they've experienced this as well. But, you know, sometimes we talk about people are dying and going to hell, and we think, yeah, someplace else. Not here in our backyard. Not in our families. Not in our neighborhood. Not on our block. Not at where we work. Not. Got off quiet here. But right here in River City, people are dying and they're going to hell. And this isn't me whipping you or beating you up. And, and Pastor Dana, by the unction of the Holy Spirit, wasn't whipping anybody or beating anybody up. This is a charge from God. This is a press from God saying, wake up, shake yourself, stir yourself. You can think about the Bible says that there was a man who was at the pool of Shalom and he waited and waited and waited and some supernatural thing happened there. Every once in a while, according to the timing of God, the Bible says that the angels would come and stir the waters. King James says, trouble the waters. And I don't know why this is, Kim, but the first person who got into the pool got healed. And here this man sitting and he says, I have no one. I knew I was going to do this. I have no one to get me in the water. There's no one to help me. I have no one to get me into the water to get what I need. If I could just get into the water, I would be whole in my legs and I'd be willing to help somebody else. But there's no one here when the angel comes to trouble the waters. There's no one to help me get in the water. And the Lord has been talking to me about this and talking to me about this and saying, we are supposed to be the ones who are helping people get into contact with the supernatural delivering, saving power of the living God. But yet we're the ones who are sitting by still needing to be helped. It's not the way it's supposed to be, church. And I'm not exempt from the pressures of the day. I'm not exempt from the trials or the tribulations of the enemy. I've learned how to overcome them. And some days, like I said, it's halftime. I look at the score and I'm, it, the game is closer than it should be. But I know at the end, I'm going to get it whipped. I'm going to win. But I think about this statement and I hear the, the words of, of the, the Macedonian man who appeared supernaturally to Paul in a vision in Acts chapter 16. And he says, come over here and help us. So I'm talking to this nurse. And she said, it's so wild. She's a Christian. She said, it's so wild. I've seen this happen before, but I've never seen it happen to this degree. This lady is in bed actively dying, which Miss Laura would know what that means, and Jonathan would know that, what that means, and I guess that just means that they're almost dead, actively dying. <laughs> I want to be actively living, but she's on her way out. M mostly dead, 
So if someone's actively dying, they're mostly dead. So she's laying in this bed right here in Owasso, not, not across the world in some foreign land, which I'm all about missions. I've been on mission trips. I give to missionaries. You know that. You know that about me, and you know that about this church. But I'm talking about five or six blocks from where we're standing right now. Someone was in a hospital bed, mostly dead, and sat up in her bed with her eyes completely closed and began to scream at the top of their lungs, keep them away from me. Don't let them take me. Get them away from me. Tell them to stop. We could use any one of those three this morning. See, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to every man. So the grace that we've heard about today, yes, it's for us, and yes, it's for our life, and yes, it's to cause us to live a victorious and triumphant life, but the end of that is that we would rescue the hopeless and rescue the helpless and rescue the lost and the destitute of truth. And here, not, not in a foreign field someplace, just a week ago across town, screaming at the top of her lungs in the hospital. And Miss Laura may have heard about this story. I don't know if news travels in the hospital or not, but it was in the CCU on, a, on third shift. And this person screaming out, keep them, away. what's she talking about? The demons that were coming to drag her soul to hell. Keep them away from me. Don't let them take me. Or maybe we can look at that and say, you know, there is someone in my life that the Spirit of God is moving and I just need to be a facilitator to get them in, to get them into contact. See, we think, you want, I want, we think that I want you to bring people to church so the numbers are big. No, because the Spirit of God is moving here and healing people and blessing people and delivering people. It's not so the numbers are big, so we can sit back and say, look at how many people we have in the church. I don't even play that game. I said, I don't even play that game. I'm not looking at how many people. I love you all, and I am so glad that you're here today. But you know the number that I'm thinking about right now? The people who aren't here. And I'm not ungrateful that you're here. I'm thinking, boy, so-and-so could have really used this message, or so-and-so could have really used the worship today, or wouldn't it have been awesome if so-and-so would have been able to be here and be a part of what God did? You matter to me. If you don't matter to the person next to you, that's between you and them, but you matter to me. It matters to me that you're here. Or maybe we'll give an answer to the Macedonian man crying in the middle of the night to come over here and help us, and the Spirit of God will, will convict us and the grace of God will empower us to go and just knock on the door of our neighbor and say, hey, you know what? I've been thinking about you a lot lately. Everything okay with you? We need to do something with the grace of God that's been given to us.